Welcome to With Heart and Wonder. This is a place for us to explore heart-centered living and to celebrate what it means to live with wonder, with awe and appreciation for the possibilities that are within us and around us. I'm Megan Johnston, and I am truly so honored and excited that you are here. Let's dive in and journey together. You are listening to episode 51 of With Heart and Wonder. If we haven't met before, if it's been a while, my name is Megan Johnston. And if you have listened to the podcast before, it comes as no surprise. You're likely very familiar with my pretty deep passion for rest. Rest is this thing in my life that has really been so transformational and after experiencing the transformative power of rest myself and and with all those that I work with, especially in my work as a restorative yoga teacher, um, I really leaned into rest as this kind of like key to coming back to ourselves. And one of the things I say often in, in classes and workshops and and in my work is this idea that we are in many ways part of this culture where there's this obsession with the doing, with the achieving. And in a culture where there is this obsession with, with doing and achieving and growing, it becomes a really radical act to let ourselves just be to let ourselves let go of all of that need to do and achieve and to really just be exactly as we are. And it's a hard thing to do because doing that demands that we find a sense of enoughness in ourselves, a sense that we are actually okay exactly the way that we are. We are already whole, which isn't always an easy place to be in our own minds. So this is really what lights me up. <laughs> I've been doing actually these um, some interviews lately with, with some students from Radical Rest Rhythms and some clients and, and other people in my life who are looking to experience more rest. And it's been really interesting because one of the biggest things that almost every person has said, almost, is that they're looking in their life for permission to rest, for permission, for permission to let go of those expectations, to let themselves just be, to come home to their wholeness. And there's a lot that we could talk about around this idea of permission You could have a whole week-long retreat and still have more to cover on this. But I wanted to share a little story today as a, a way to start to think about how you might offer yourself permission to find a little more space, a little bit more rest. And of course, I think that that as part of our healing journey, we're not meant to walk this path alone. We're, we're really meant to walk it with others in supportive communities. And I've got another episode on that coming out later. You can stay tuned for that. But in this episode, I thought we would start to look at what we can do in our own lives. And and I want to recognize that I think a lot of the people who, who come into my circles 
are people who are really driven, who are deeply committed to making the world a better place in their own way, whatever that means for them. And and sometimes that is deep commitment to social change. and, And other times it looks more like making the world a better place through community and through family. One of the flip sides of that coin is that sometimes when we're so committed to to others and uplifting others and uplifting our communities, the other side of that coin is that sometimes we have a lot of people-pleasing patterns and a lot of overachieving patterns. And we really lean in and listen deeply to the expectations and I think it's an important distinction, not just the communicated expectations, but what we think are the expectations of others. Because usually there's a difference (laughs) between what others actually expect of us and what we think they expect of us. And when we are so dialed in to what we think others need from us, it can make it really challenging for us to actually take a step back and tend to our own needs. And one of the things that I notice the most when it comes to rest is that we start to get curious about rest when we are in moments of profound depletion. When we've hit a wall and are crashing, that's when we lean in to a lot of the practices that are going to support us or we look for help or we look for support. And what starts to happen is for a lot of people, as soon as you start to get even just a little bit of energy back, you start to pour it out again. As soon as you start to feel a little bit more like yourself again, you start to direct that energy back outwards into whether it's work, into family, into those that you care about, into any sort of things that that you are doing in this world. That's a really beautiful thing. But it also means that our relationship with rest starts to be one where it is reactive instead of proactive. Where we get into these cycles and patterns of pushing ourselves, burning out, experiencing depletion, maybe having to walk away from things for a certain period of time, and then coming back in before our tank has even been recharged. And it often means that we aren't actually leaning into some of the more difficult questions about how we create rest as part of our natural rhythms, as something that's part of our lives, which isn't to say that we might not still experience moments of depletion, but There is something really beautiful about cultivating a relationship with rest where it's more interwoven in our lives and that that can create a lot of spaciousness for us. So I want to talk a little bit today. I want to share a little bit about what has been happening in my own life recently. So it's no secret that I've stepped away from this podcast. We've had episodes that are much less regular over the last few months as I've needed to take a step back and let myself heal. I've been going through a lot of health issues and and it really, it did, I will say, get to the point where rest became 
non-negotiable anymore. It was a deep necessity and it wasn't possible for me to continue. I had to step away from a lot of commitments. What's interesting, I'll share just briefly, is that um, despite the fact that I I'm so passionate about this and do so much work around this. Um, I really did think that I was doing a good job at scaling back. There was this period from January to about May where I was continuously looking at what was on my plate and taking things off. But it wasn't enough. I kept taking things off and then still feeling like I needed more. And that's when I had to kind of get a little bit more firm with myself and actually take a break from everything and and walk away from all of my commitments. And now I'm at this place where I am very slowly starting to add things back in. But as I'm in this place, one of the things that I'm really thinking about especially because some of the, the challenges in, in, in my own body and in my own life right now are, are things that I'm still actively healing. One of the things that I've been thinking a lot about, so much about, is when I return to more of a routine schedule come September, which is, is my current goal, that I'll be back to work, I'm saying in September. I've been doing some behind-the-scenes stuff like this podcast episode, but the plan is to to be back to work in September. But is this question of what am I going back to and, and how do I set myself up in a way that is profoundly supportive and nourishing while I am in this, this time in my life where I'm continuing to heal? And that means in many ways, and it's it's a really sticky, muddy, like thick question to be sitting with. It means I have to rethink how I was doing things before. And in part, that's about my offerings, that's about my services, that's about what I what I am am, am doing in this world, you know, the number of classes I teach, the ways in which I work with people. But it's also really about how I am structuring my days, my weeks, my months, and the boundaries that I'm creating. And one of the things that hit me yesterday was that one of the things that I think is deeply important as I come back into work is is thinking about the life So this isn't actually the thing that hit me (laughs) yesterday. I'll share that in a moment. But, But in all of this thinking is really like, what is the life that I want to be living and how do I want that to feel? And, and this goes back to our last episode with Priscilla, but what are the feelings that I want to cultivate? And for me, it's support, it's nourishment, it's spaciousness, it's room to create. And with that, I have to rethink how I am actually scheduling my week. So this is the thought I had yesterday, which is that I have a really bad habit As someone who works for themselves and is really interested in this idea of rhythms, I often really listen to my body. And that's not a bad thing. And sometimes what that means is that, you know, on a Wednesday, I might 
end up taking most of the day off or doing a few tasks and then realizing that that's, that's all for me for that day. And I think that's a really beautiful thing, but what it has meant is that I also, when I have a sense of energy, I feel compelled to use it. And usually, especially in moments of my life where I have been feeling this sense of depletion, where I've had to step away in some capacity, when I have that sense of energy, I feel the need to pour it back into my work. And that means that if I have energy on a Saturday or a Sunday or at eight o'clock at night, I might, might, not always, but I might start to pour that into my work. And what that has meant in the past is that I often do work seven days a week. And I've justified that in the past by saying that it's because I take so much space each day. But I do think that in this new life that I'm building, this new life that I'm building, even though I am so passionate about making sure that I get rest each and every day. There is this need that I know internally from the wisdom in my own heart that I need to commit to taking one day a week just for me. Enter the do nothing day. And I've talked about the do nothing day before, um, but more vaguely, I've shared before that for me to have a day off, I really, really need my calendar to be clear and there to be no expectations of me. None from Eric, none from anyone in my family. There's no phone calls. There's no even little tasks that I am expected to do. That's kind of the day that I need for a feeling of spaciousness. And I ended up having one of these do-nothing days yesterday, and it came about completely by accident. We were actually supposed to go on a hike with some friends of ours, and at the last moment, they were called out of town, and it meant that there was nothing on the calendar. Nothing. Because I had really cleared that day so that it, it would just be with our friends. So I was blessed with this beautiful gift of a day that was completely empty. And of course, my first instinct, I'll be really honest, my first instinct, especially because I have taken such a step back from work and there's a few things I wanted to, to, to do behind the scenes, my first instinct was to put a task in my calendar. And I got up yesterday morning and decided that I really deserved to take some time just for me, to sit outside with a book, to let myself just be in nature and to let that be the start of my day and I could go from there. And then what I started really realizing was, was like I shared that the life that I want to live is one where I have a day a week that's just for me. And if that's the life that I want to live, I owe it to myself to start living that life right now, not to wait. So I kind of started to make this tentative commitment to myself that I was going to take the day and not do any work. And I will share it was deeply uncomfortable (laughs) because I think it can be uncomfortable for a lot of us to sit in the spaciousness, especially when it's been a while since we've had that. Because even though I have been taking this step back from work, a lot of it has been really focused on my healing, 
really focused on appointments, really focused on um, some some exercises and, and, and programs that I've been doing in order to support myself and, and, and work through some of my symptoms. And this was different. This was a day where I didn't have to do anything for, for my healing. This was a day where I had totally just for me. Deeply uncomfortable, but deeply worth it. So let me tell you what I ended up doing yesterday. I ended up having a beautiful breakfast outside, reading, listening to the birds, closing my eyes, watching the clouds in the sky. I listened to a podcast. I did a yoga nidra practice, which is a relaxation tool. I had a nap. I went spinning. I stretched. I did some watercolor painting. I read a little more. I ate dinner outside. And then I came in and and watched an episode of Virgin River. And that was my day. And in between those things, it was filled with these moments of spaciousness that felt really good. And it was also filled with some deeply uncomfortable moments where I was fighting a real urge to go to my computer and do that task that I was thinking about. So I wanted to give you my three tips for a do-nothing day. Because I think a do-nothing day is something that while it sounds really glorious for a lot of us, it can not always be easy to implement. Especially when we're in our homes where we're, you know, seeing the laundry that needs to be folded, where we're thinking about the cleaning that we could be doing, where we're with our loved ones and thinking about what we could be doing for them. My three tips for a do-nothing day. Number one. First, to make a list of the things that feel nourishing to you. So those things that I did were actually part of a self-care list that I had made a while back. And there's other things on that list too, like having a bath or a shower or going for a walk or practicing calligraphy. There's all sorts of things on my self-care list. But I think it's really powerful for us, especially if we've been in a mode of being that's so focused on the doing and the productive things. And I'll say that I I know I shared, I read a book and I listened to a podcast, but I was really intentional about not reading or listening to anything that was business focused or improvement focused. Anything that I was listening to, I wanted it to just let me be in in a space of enjoyment. So make a list. What are the things for you that feel enjoyable, that help you reconnect to that sense of self, to your body, to a sense of inspiration to the world around you? Make a list. Tip number two. Tell someone about your do-nothing day and your list. So in my day yesterday, I probably had to turn to Eric five or six times and say, I'm not sure what's what to do next. Because when we have a little bit more energy and we haven't for a while, sometimes it can feel overwhelming where to spend it. Or we might even feel like we're not used to feeling like that. Or we're not used to slowing down We've been in that mode of hustling and and go, go, go. It's one of the reasons it can be a difficult transition into vacation sometimes. So tell someone. 
Tell someone who you care about, who you trust, who you feel safe around that you're having this do nothing day. And if you don't live with someone, I'm lucky I live with Eric and was able to chat with him throughout the day. But if you don't live with someone, then arrange ahead of time for someone in your life to be available that day for you so that you can check in and say, hey, I'm, I'm not sure what to do next. I'm really feeling like I, I want to do work or clean my house or do the laundry. I need your help to encourage me to stick with this. Share your list with them so that they can make suggestions. Maybe they'll say something like, well, I know that you wanted to learn watercolor painting. Have you done that yet today? Have you been for a walk? Have you taken a nap? Have you read that book that you were excited about? Tip number three, give yourself grace and gently remind yourself of your why. So I think it's really important whenever we're trying something new to have our why in our mind. For me, my why is that I deeply believe with all of my heart that we deserve days, that we don't need to be accountable to anyone. Days where we put ourselves first, days where we allow ourselves to feel into spaciousness rather than filling our days with expectations. And so this why becomes really important. Because if my why is that I want to have this feeling of spaciousness, if I want that to be a part of my life, and I deeply do because I believe that it's these moments of spaciousness that is where our creativity comes from. So if I want to experience that moment of spaciousness, then I don't want to approach my day with a a big list of things I have to do. And I've done that in the past. You know, sometimes we can approach self-care with an iron fist of all of the things that we're going to do. Instead, it's a list of possibilities, of things we could do if we felt like it. And I gave myself grace. And all of those little moments where I wanted to, to go do that task that I was thinking about, I wanted to do that thing around that house or that thing for work, I reminded myself of my why. And told myself that, yeah, this is uncomfortable, but it's because you're starting a new practice. That's normal. You can stick with this. It's worth it. So those three tips for your do-nothing day. Make a list of some things that would feel nourishing to you, some possibilities. Tell someone about it so that they can help encourage you and be an accountability buddy if that's something that you need. And number three, give yourself grace as you gently remind yourself of your why. The invitation this week is to play with your own do-nothing day. And it can look different. And it might look different than it has at other seasons of life. I know I used to actually have a really firm practice on Sundays where I turned off my phone from the day, my family knew that they wouldn't be able to get a hold of me. I wouldn't use a computer. I, at the time, did um, would make my own juices and, and have a day that was uh, meant to be kind of a little bit of a detox. And that used to be what worked for me. That feels a little more rigid right now than I want it to. So I was on social media yesterday. I was texting my family, but I was doing it in a way only when it felt really good for me. So know that your do-nothing days can change. 
And I really do believe that boundaries are important in our lives, but boundaries are meant to support us. So our boundaries are meant to feel good for us. And we're meant to engage with those boundaries with grace. I would love to hear if you take a do-nothing day sometime in the future. I'd love to hear how you spend that day and how it made you feel. And I'd love to hear too if you find it really challenging, share what it is about it that feels challenging. We can always address that on other episodes together because I know that when it comes to relaxation, it can be hard. It can be hard to give ourselves that permission to rest and that sometimes we really do need others to hold that space for us, to give us that permission to rest. One of the things that I've been working on behind the scenes is relaunching Radical Rest Rhythms, my program for helping weave transformative rest into your life in a way that feels good and is unique to you. This program is going to be launching at the end of the summer. Um, New and improved, there's going to be a really beautiful, strong new community component with lots of gatherings and time to connect, in addition to self-paced material. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to meganjohnston.com slash radical rest. You can get yourself on the waitlist. And as a waitlist member, there's going to be an extra little goodie for you when it is time for us to launch. As always, I love hearing from you. Please feel free to reach out on Instagram. It's at Megan L. Johnston. Or head on over to my website, meganjohnston.com. Until we meet again. Keep living with heart and wonder.